Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome uh, to River Valley. You can go ahead and be turning your Bibles to First uh, Peter today. I do want to remind you of what you just saw in the testimony of Israel, and he gave his life to Christ and wants to share that with the world. And it is a perfect testimony for those of you who haven't been baptized yet. We would love for you to stand up publicly and let the world know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I know a lot of you, uh, or some of you may have never have given your life to Christ. We're going to talk about what that looks like today. And then after that, to follow him in uh, believer's baptism. So it's not too late. You know when you should be baptized? Today. Today. Uh, There's... there's no waiting when God speaks, when God shows you that next step. Be the type of Christian that does it, that gets after, that hears God's word and immediately responds so that he can move you and, and change you along the way. So you have a pretty unique advantage. You can run home. Uh, if you want uh, uh, to get baptized today, Ben is right outside these doors at the end of the service at the Connection Corner. You can tell him, run home, uh, get the swim trunks on. We'll give you a shirt. Come back and do that. And we would love to do that. But I'm telling the third service the same thing. They don't have time to go home. They're never on time anyway. All right, so they don't have time to go home. So what they're going to do is I'm going to encourage them, hey, go out there. We'll give you a new shirt. I don't care if you're wearing blue jeans. Get baptized. Get baptized. Follow the Lord. Follow what he wants and be the type of person that when he speaks, yes, sir, and you go. That's the person that he can use. And so we're going to be in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 17 today. And I'm just going to go ahead and read the text, and then I'm going to use the first point to illustrate where we're going in this, this text overall. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but it was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable uh, through the living and enduring word of God. For all uh, flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flowers of the grass. Uh, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. So I want us to uh, look at six words that I think epitomize what we're talking about in this text. And the first word explains where we're going. The first word is the first word that we just read, which is if. If, circle the word if in your Bible. Now, it's not the biggest word, but it's the most important for what we're doing today. If you were redeemed. 
The Bible says that we should make our calling and election sure. In other words, you should examine your life. You should know what it means to be saved and make sure that you have that saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you have that, then the next five words are going to fall into place and you'll, be, you'll see them growing in your life. If you don't have him, you can try to do the next five words, but it, but it will not be lasting because these are things that God does from the inside out in our life. So are you saved? Do you really and truly know Jesus Christ as your Lord? Now, I'm going to explain that at the end of the sermon very, uh, this text does a great job, very clearly. But a lot of you know that and you think, oh, I'm saved. And it, it, frankly, it scares me to death. It scares me to death about some of the people at, at River Valley because a lot of us grew up and we grew up in a religious background and they had some way for you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. But the problem is a lot of times you do it so often you forget why you're doing it. So I'll pick a mine. I grew up Baptist. And uh, some of you are like, I didn't even know you're, you're, uh, yeah. So, uh, so, and so some of you are like, yeah, we get it. And uh, so... Um, so I grew up Baptist, and Baptists, man, we're really evangelical. We want people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. But what we contend to do is you're like, oh, you're not saved? Say this prayer right now. Just read it off this card. Just, just do it right now. Just, just say this prayer. And it becomes like this mantra that you're like, I can repeat these three or four sentences, and I'm just good. And that's not true. It's not true at all. Just repeating something that, that the, the, ver, uh, the sentences themselves have meaning, but you don't understand them, and you're certainly not praying them from a convicted heart. You're saying some words. Man, those people are in danger. Some of you grew up, and you were taught that you go through a class, and then you take First Communion, you're good to go. It's not true. Some of you grew up in a, a church that where you did catechism and learned certain phrases and, and good theology, fantastic theology, but at the end of that catechism class that you're good to go. It's not true. Many of us have been taught, you know, if you were just baptized, if you just do this, if you just do that, then you're saved, you're good. And the Bible is very, very clear. There's a personal relationship with Jesus as Lord. And that personal relationship has evidences in your life. If you have been redeemed, the Bible says, if this happens, then you will know that you are saved. You can know that you have a relationship with Jesus. You can know that you have eternal life. But I want to warn you today, this sermon is for you. So don't sit there and listen to it and be like, I'm going to listen to this sermon. I'm going to even take notes today because I'm fairly certain my wife is not saved. So we're going to need to talk about her. Uh, we're, you, you know, I, you, this is not you listening for other people. This is you listening for you if you do these things. So we're going to listen for ourselves. Also, uh, fun homework if you'd like to do it. The book of 1 John, near the very end of the Bible, the book of 1 John probably has 20 of these. And it'll say things like, uh, you will know that you're my disciples. You'll, in other words, you'll know you're really saved if this happens, if you do this. There's, there's a ton of them in, in that book. And so you can really and truly have this, this assurance of like, I know that I'm a child of God. I know that I have a relationship with him. So I'm going to look at that. So if is the first word if. Now, these next five cascade from that. These are things that you should see within your life growing over time. So, the second word I want you to circle is the word judge. The word judge. Now, 
The word judge is weird for us in America, in our modern system of justice. Because if you get stopped uh, by a police officer and he hands you a ticket and he says, you've got to meet the judge. You're like, oh, that's never good. I don't want to do that. I mean, no one ever got a ticket from a police officer and went into municipal court and the, the judge says, hey, guess what? The police officer saw you correctly using your blinker. So we just want to give you a $50 gift certificate. Good job. I mean, that never happens. No, no, no. It's like, you're like, I didn't even know they had the death penalty for, for ticket. Yeah, yeah. And you're scared to death. Now, so when we hear the word judge, we hear standing before a judge to be condemned because you've done something wrong. But this book and this passage are for believers. So this is not a judge looking to punish you. This is not a judge looking to, to uh, catch you doing something wrong and punish you. This is a judge looking for you to do something right and give you rewards. This is a judge watching you go, oh, that was good. That was good. We're going we're gonna to make sure and reward him or her because of that. So there are two judgments in the Bible. Let me explain to you the difference because there is a, a judgment for punishment, but it is not for believers. So there's the great white throne judgment and there's the judgment seat of Christ. So let me give you some characteristics of each of those for you note takers. The great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. Unbelievers will stand before God's white throne and he will judge them. And he will judge unbelievers because they did not believe in him. So they will be, uh, part of what they will have is they will have uh, punishment. And the, pun the ultimate punishment will be an eternity from God in hell. Because they did not believe, they did not accept his offer of salvation, so they will be punished for eternal life. The great or the judgment seat of Christ is for believers, it's for people who are believers. And we will be judged for uh, rewards, and, and the biggest one will be heaven for all eternity, that we will live with God. So we go to hell over here when we've uh, rejected Jesus, we go to heaven over here when we have accepted Jesus. Over here, we have punishment at the great white throne. Over here, we have rewards for eternal life. Over here, we are judged in, for our lack of faith. We didn't have faith in what God had done on the cross, and so we are put into eternal torment. Over here, we are judged positively for our faithfulness. You've been faithful to what God gives you. In many texts in the Bible, he says, you've been faithful in a few things. Now I'm going to give you many. And so be faithful in your life. This is the judgment that he's talking about today. So it's not he's trying to figure out if you're doing wrong. It's trying to, he's trying to catch you and help you understand how to do right because there are rewards for that. Matthew 25, 35, and 36, and then again in verse 40, great examples of this that you can go home and read. Jesus separates those who will come to eternal life, and he says, good job, those of you who come to eternal life. He says, you gave me a cup of water. You gave me something to wear. When I was in prison, you visited me. And the people are like, when did we do that for you? And he says, whatever you did for the least of these people, you did unto me. Now, this is a cool passage because it doesn't say you have to be this like, it doesn't say you, you cured cancer. Way to go. You get a reward. No, it says you gave me a cup of water. You gave me a, a you, you had two coats and you gave me one of them. I was, I was lonely in prison and you came and you visited me. These little bitty acts along the way because you did them for the people of God, because you did them in my name so that I would be glorified. Guess what? You get a reward. 
And so there, there are people all over this church this morning that are, that are getting rewards as we speak. Here's, here's how we say it at River Valley. Saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. And you see the icon we talk about, we love, we grow, we give, we go. This is go. The, the people of God, when God saves them, if they are truly saved, then, then one of the things that you see is they begin to serve people in their gifts. They serve others. And it doesn't have to be they get up on, on stage and preach a sermon. There are people that open the door for you this morning. We talked about one of the opportunities. Let's be honest. If you're going to get rewards, you might as well get it driving a golf cart. I mean, you're just like, I'm earning rewards and I've got the coolest ministry at River Valley. You, you, you know, I mean, that, but, but there's rewards for that. I mean, I watched a kid this morning. I've watched it so, I've, this happens all the time at River Valley. I watched a kid, uh, his parents, they hit the door and he was just walking and he saw the table of the donut holes. And all of a sudden he started skipping. He was like, yeah, loving me some church. And uh, I mean, there were people that put those donut holes out for him. There were people here uh, early, early. It was still dark when we got here this morning and they were making coffee uh, because, you know, coffee is so important for the parent. Uh, you, you may or may not get donuts, but you gotta have coffee. And the kids were having donuts. I've, I've had people that moved. I've had people that moved to Houston, Texas, and they're like, we can't find a church. I'm like, you're in Houston, Texas. There's a kajillion churches, and they say every church we go to, the kids walk in and go, nope, no donuts, none, none. How can the Holy Spirit be here? There's no donuts. And so... But there's, there's people that are making that happen. There's, there's rewards for that. They're, they're serving in that way. They're serving in children's. They're serving in students. And so we want to be a part of serving. Why? Because God is judging us. He's watching. And for those who serve, there's a rich reward of faithfulness. The third word, circle the word redeemed. Redeemed. You have been redeemed. And then the Bible says, from your empty way of life. So redemption has two facets. It's you're redeemed from something and you're redeemed to something. And both, both are important. You can't have one without the other. And he tells us what we're redeemed from. We're redeemed from this empty way of life. The way that we thought, the way that we talked, the way that we acted before we came to Jesus Christ, that was empty. It was, it was futile. It was meaningless. Even if you were doing well within uh, the system of our world, even if you had the corner office, even if you had the biggest paycheck on your staff or w- whatever it is, that, that without Christ, those things are empty empty and meaningless. And you were redeemed from those things, but you were also redeemed to something. Redemption means given value. So he, 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 you were empty, but now he's given you value and purpose in this world. So this is how I illustrate it. Um, you guys know uh, after the uh, Osama bin Laden, uh, when the Navy SEALs went and, and the DevGrew guys went over there and uh, um, brought justice to that situation. Uh, I got into Navy SEALs, man. I, I mean, I was reading everything about Navy SEALs. And I, I, it's, it's funny because I would like be watching them do their training, or their, like their buds training, and it's just crazy. And I'm sitting in my air-conditioned house in my Lazy Boy eating Cheetos going, I could do that. Uh, you, you know, and so, I, and so I got way into that. And then I read all this Navy SEAL stuff, and then I got into all these other special operators and what they do, and, and uh, just fascinating and all these different ones and uh sometimes you'll see like videos of like which one's better well that's a weird assessment because they all have very different skill sets and for very different jobs and so you read about these different special operators and what they're good at and what they're do uh 
couple years ago, Creed and I were at the gym together and I saw a couple guys and I said, I bet you anything those guys are special operators. And so I, uh, and he said, you should go talk to him. And I was gonna go talk to him. And then my son, he has a gift of, of mockery and sarcasm. Uh, like, like, and I don't know where he got that. That's so weird. And uh, he goes, yeah, dad, go up to him and go, hey, I read books about you. Hi guys. And uh, I didn't go after that because I was like, like, I just knew I was gonna come across as a big old giant nerd, which I am, but I don't want them to know that. And so I didn't go, but let me give you some example. Let me give you two, uh, I think they're fascinating examples. Uh, special operators and how you redeemed from something and redeemed to something. So this this is the insignia uh, for the United States Army Special Forces. We often call them Green Berets. They wear the, the Green Berets. And uh, Green Berets are, are a, a, a group of special operators, and their motto is, de, is here on, on their insignia, Deo Presso Liber. And it is, it is uh, Latin, and it means to set the oppressed free. So, so the statement that the Green Berets, that the special forces want you to know is what they do is they set the oppressed free. So if you've got a, a country somewhere in the world and that country has a dictator and he is, he is keeping his people from food, he is uh, killing his own people who are against him in many ways, there's genocide going over in the country. The, the, the force that we want to send are the special forces and they would go over, they would train the revolutionary force that might fight against this dictator, they would help their, uh, they would help them establish a government, or they would help them uh, understand democracy. And all, think about that within the country. All of these people who were oppressed, who were starving, who were dying, all of a sudden the Green Berets come and they set them free. They show them a better way to live. They help them overcome that which was uh, oppressing them. It's, it's, it's almost like a jailbreak. I mean, can you imagine not experiencing that, not growing up, even knowing what that means? And then here come these, these group of, of specialized men that set the oppressed free. Praise God, that's redeemed from something. But we also have to be redeemed to something. So let me show you the, the uh, patch for the United States Air Force Pararescue. We often call them the, P, the PJs. And the PJs are the ones that uh, if you've got a pilot that goes down behind enemy lines, then the PJs will go and they will be the ones who will go behind enemy lines and rescue that pilot. Or, or you've got a group of people over here that are, that are uh, military and they are, they are caught. They will go and they will rescue them. And their motto is that others may live. That others may live. They say, we do these, these things we do. Why? So that others may live. Now think about how unbelievably self-sacrificing that is. I choose, a PJ says, I choose to jump behind the enemy lines. And I choose to go in. And I'm willing that my life would be taken. Why? So that you can live. So that you can have a chance to fulfill your purpose in life. I'm willing to do whatever it takes so that others may live. So that's redeemed to something. Now we as believers in Jesus Christ, we know our mission. We're not just like, whoo, I'm so glad I'm set free. You know, good luck to the rest of you. No, 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 no. It's I'm so glad I'm set free. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to help rescue others. I'm going to help those who are still in bondage so that others may live. I'm going to give my time, my service so that others may live. The, the way we say it at River Valley is found people, find people. Found people, find people. You were lost, now you're found. So what do you do? You go out and find some lost people. You invite them to church. You tell them about what God's doing in your life. You bring them to River Valley. Now, 
be very, very careful right here. Because as a society in America, we are losing this. Because we are more and more being taught that there are people in America who are our enemies. And those people are the people that are different from us. Maybe their skin color. Those people are the people who are different from us because of the way they vote. Those people are different from us because they live, you know, let's be honest, in Texas, we're like, because they live in California. That's what we say, isn't it? Isn't it? And, And we treat them like they are the enemies. We think of them like they are the enemies. And it's not true. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus, we only have to love people at River Valley who Jesus loves. That's it. That's the only people we have to love at River Valley. But Jesus came that the whole world may know him. Jesus loves every man, woman, boy, and girl. And Jesus loves those that look different from us and vote different from us and live in a different place than us and think different than us. And we are called to say, we go so that they may live, so that they may know Jesus Christ as Lord, so that they may have eternal life. These are not the enemy. These are our brothers and sisters who we need to do whatever it takes to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. We are about reaching, helping, and connecting people to Jesus at River Valley. So we make these decisions based on how can we, how can we help our neighbors? How can we help our coworkers? How can we help our friends? How can we help our family come to faith in Jesus Christ? We, we go out and we find people. So God redeemed us from something, but God redeemed us to something. So now we have this mission that we go out for. That's redemption. It's one of the ways you know you're saved. Number, what do we have? Four. <clears throat> Circle the word love. Circle the word love. <clears throat> so, uh, the way we do church can be a little bit, uh, um, there's a word for it, uh, weird. Okay, uh, so here, because here, here's what I hear all the, all the time. I hear people say, I love River Valley. I love River Valley. I love the music. I love that my kids get donuts. You you know, I love that they have three services so the pastor can't go too long because there's another service coming. I love that, right? Whatever it is, right? It's an hour service because, you know, we got to get out of here. Whatever it is that you love about this, and that's fine. Or, or we say, you know, people say, you know what, I, 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 I saw the building for the first time, those type of things. But that's not what love is in, in the biblical sense of what we're talking about. Let me, let me show you a statement that I wrote. Church is not a place that you go. Church is not a thing that you do. The church is a people you love. If you are saved, you love the people of God. I hope you really like the way we do church. I hope you like the building that we do it in, but that's not church. Church is a people, and we want you to love other people. Now, in this setting, that's, that's fairly easy. You can say, hey, what's up? Hi, how you doing? Shake a few hands and, and be a part of that. That's good. But that's, you see the icon in the corner is our love icon. That's for our group ministry. That's where we see and show true love and fellowship. Because that's where people come and they do life together. That's, that's where love really and truly happens. I saw it literally this week in my group. My group, we meet on uh, Monday nights. <clears throat> and uh, 
there's a, there's a couple uh, that, that moved. Uh, last week was their last time in our group. They, they were moving. They were moving down to the coast. And so I, I was really, I was sad. I mean, these are my friends. I love them uh, dearly. Um, and so, so this was their last group meeting. But their, their, their son is, is staying here. He graduated last year. And so uh, for the last meeting, they told their son, well, we'll come out with us to group uh, to the start of it because we eat, we do potluck every uh, Monday night the way that God intended uh, you to study the Bible, yeah, yeah, you know, with a full stomach. And so we always have potluck. So it's, it's great. I love it. It's, it's a fun, uh, fun time. We all eat together. So the son came out. He's not a part of our group, but the son came out to, to just have a uh, fellowship just have a meal with us and so afterward we were all saying when he, when they uh when he was leaving uh right when we were about to start saying like, come back next week come come just come back every single week and we will feed you uh which is like men's primary love language uh i mean like we we want and and then the next day i was talking to someone in my group and they said i hope he comes every single time i hope he comes every single time that's love. That's showing that couple that left saying, hey, we want you to know we will take care of your family. We want you to know this is important for you. Therefore, it's important to us. We want you to know that if he needs anything, we are there. And the Bible says we are to show that love. Not just say those things, but I guarantee you that couple left knowing that we meant it. Knowing that we at a moment's notice would go to help him or anyone else. That we love the people of our group. We will do for them what needs to be done. This is a people that we love, and we love them. Therefore, we love their family. We're going to take care of them. That's what the Bible says. We show love. We don't just say it. We show it. It also says that we do it with a sincere and pure heart. In other words, I don't do it so that I can receive from you. I don't, you know, we didn't feed those kids. So one of these days you're like, well, it's your turn to feed my kid. And he eats a lot. Yeah, you know, that's not what we're saying. It's, no, no, I, I, I do it magnanimous love. I give it not expecting something back. This is the difference between saying nice things that are a compliment and flattery. You could say the exact same statement, but depending on the motive is whether it's a compliment or flattery. A compliment is, man, I just want you to be bolstered up. I want you, the Bible says, do, uh, let only those words come out that are good for building other people up. And so I'm saying this so that you'll, you'll be encouraged. I'm saying this so that you'll feel good in this moment and know this is true in your life. But you might do that in flattery, which that's like, I just want you to like me. I just want you to feel good about me. I just want you, because then when you owe, it feels like you owe me something. It's a world of difference. We're to do it from pure, a pure, sincere and pure heart. And then also it says we're to do it constantly, constantly. Not just every time you don't have anything else to do. We are to love constantly, continually until the days of our death. And so the Bible says we do this all of our life as as the time that we're living as strangers. In other words, as long as you are on this earth, you are called to exhibit this type of love to others. The fifth word is the word, word. W-O-R-D, word. The word of God. You know that you are a believer in Jesus Christ when the word of God begins to come alive in your life, begins to make a 
difference in the way that you walk and talk and think and act begins. The, the Bible, in fact, he gives us an illustration here. It's, it's like living. It's, it's living like grass or flowers. But those things, you know, here we are at the end of the, of the growing season and now it's dry. They're starting to wither up and they're going to they're gonna go dormant over the winter. But it says about the word of God, not only is it living, it's enduring. It's, it's long, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't fade out like grass do or flowers do that come up for a season. It is enduring forever. In fact, it says the word uh, twice uh, for that. Let me show you how I, how I learned that statement. One of the biggest impacts on my life. So I, I'm in college. I had just accepted my call into the ministry. And uh, so, you know, I know that God is calling me to preach. And so all of a sudden I was like, man, I have, to, I have to preach these sermons. And all of a sudden I thought, oh, no, I don't know how to do that. Uh, and, and I grew up in a really good evangelical church. So I had a pretty good background theologically in some of the stories and those type of things. But, you know, I, I was pretty certain after the third sermon in a row on David and Goliath, everybody would be like, we got it, move on. And, uh, you know, I was like, but that's all I have. And so, so I prayed and I, I really— tr- I was like, Lord, I don't know how to, how to understand your word. I've always just been kind of given it by other people. I, I don't know. And I'd, I'd heard pastors talk about studying the word. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Like, I, I literally don't know how to, how do you study the word of God? So I asked the Lord, please show me what to do. Just show me what to do. Two days later, I'm at home and I hear knock at the door. And it's an older, I answered the door. It's an older couple uh, in my church, Mel and Laura Singer. And, uh, and they, they say, hey, we want to talk to you for a second. So they come in and they say, uh, we want you to uh, uh, have this Bible. We bought this Bible for you. Let me show you up here on the screen. Here's this Bible. They said, we bought you this Bible. And back then I was really like, what, what translation should I, should I preach from? They're like, it's this translation. And they bought me this Bible. Now this is 1998 um, that they, they buy me this Bible. This Bible in 1998 was $90. Uh, so this is a really, really expensive Bible. Uh, there's no way I could have afforded uh, this Bible at, at that time in my life. That would have been uh, impossible. And they say, we want you to, we want you to have this Bible. And, 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 uh, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I'm halfway home. And then she says, and we're starting a new Bible study entitled how to study the Bible. And uh, I was like, well, that is very interesting. And uh, she was like, I want to teach you how to study the Bible. And I'm sitting there thinking, this prayer stuff works. I got to get on praying for a wife. And uh, I was like, man, here we go. And so she taught me, they, they bought me the Bible, and they taught me how to study the Bible. And I thought about that this week, and why I want to use that as an illustration. And they said, we're going to begin with the book of 1 Peter. And so this is the, the, the first two pages of my study Bible of 1 Peter that Laura Singer, Mel Singer, taught me how to do. And you see at the, the beginning, they taught me how to uh, put a title for every chapter. Here's chapter one. Here's chapter two. They taught me how to look for similar words. That's what the different color coding is. This word and this word are the same. These green, that's the same. And these different symbols over here. And and really engage with the text. Break it down and write notes. And you see there, I wrote notes over here in the margin. Wrote notes underneath. Wrote notes over here. And, and here's a prayer. 
here's a prayer I prayed in 1998 that I wrote. And so when I went to begin this passage, and we're going to walk through the book of 1 Peter, one of the first things I did was pull this Bible off the shelf. And here's some notes that I used for this sermon that I wrote in 1998 that the Lord showed me. Here's, here's last week. Here's the, the next week. And the Word of God is living and active. And they, they taught me that. And they, they showed me that through that, that Bible study. And that's, that's what we teach you uh, in the Connections classes. How to, how to understand and exactly what she taught me all of those uh, years ago. And so it's the Word. It's living. It's active. It's enduring. It's, it's, it's really and truly uh, unbelievable how the Word works in your life. It's not like a book that you just kind of read. It's, it's something different. Let me, let me give you a verse that we memorized during this time. This is Hebrews chapter 4 uh, verse 12. For the word of God, that's what we're talking about, and again living and effective, living and effective and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And what does it do? It penetrates as far as separating soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts. It's, when you read the Bible it's able to judge your thoughts and the intentions of your heart. The Bible is living and active. And so this is, this is what I wrote. The Bible reads you as you read it. As you read the Bible, the Bible is reading you. And the Bible is telling you the will of God. The Bible is telling you, speaking to you, this is the word of God. This is what he has for you in your life. And this is part of our growth. This is how we, we read the Bible. We want to show you to read that for yourself. If you're just getting what I'm saying on Sunday and that's it, you are slowly starving to death. It is the Bible, you need a daily consumption of, of reading and understanding, digesting the Bible, and it will begin to speak to you. Literally, this happened to me on Friday. I had a, uh, the, the Bible, uh, I had a thing that I had to do, and it, I'm not even going to tell you what, it's like small. So I'm not making major life decisions here, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just uh, something small. But I was reading the Bible, and it was so clear what God wanted me to do. It was so clear what I was supposed to do from that. And you've had that. If you've been at River Valley any time at all, I guarantee you, you've walked away from a sermon and go, we were just talking about that. Man, we needed that. Or sometimes, let's be honest, you're like, my husband needed that. Uh, right? And so, yeah, it's that. It, it's living and active. It's not like I'm surveying the crowd and going, what should I say this week to really hit you? And it's the Bible. It's living and active. The Bible is telling you what God wants for your life. And so, you know that you are... <clears throat> A believer, when the Bible begins to do that more and more and more in your life. Listen, I, I get it. Like there's a, there's a learning curve on this. But all of us have to start somewhere. For me, it was a knock on the door. And an invitation to a Bible study. For you, maybe the same thing. Men's Bible study, women's Bible. We have so, I think we have 35 groups going right now. Of different ways that we use the Bible in different, some of them just on uh, just an overarching theme, some of very specific topics, but it's all there so that we can ingest the Word of God and it can change us because it's living and enduring. The last word is the word gospel, verse 25. This was the gospel, the Bible says, that was proclaimed to you. God's word is the gospel. Now, we often t talk about the gospel being um, the, the, the story of Jesus's life. But really, uh, what we're talking about <clears throat> specifically is the story of Jesus's death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. That, that part of his story is what we normally will call the gospel. And that gospel, the Bible says, has been proclaimed to you. 
So let me proclaim it again because this verse is, uh, this section of scripture is really, really good at doing it better than I can do. So starting again with what we just read in verse 18. You know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life and you were inherit, that inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like gold or silver. So it gives you this example that Christ bought you. But he didn't, or God the Father bought you, but he didn't buy you with something, even something very precious like gold or silver. What did he buy you with? The precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. So in the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, the best lamb was sacrificed. And he's making the comparison. This is why Christ is so valuable, because he was unblemished. He was without spot. Jesus was without sin. There was no sin on his life. There was no sin in his existence. And as he was from time past, as he lived on earth, he is absolutely, he understands what it is when he was tempted. So he understands you, but he never felt a temptation. Jesus was perfect. And then God foreknew before the foundation of the earth. And he says, he's revealing it to you right now. He's showing you. I often tell people when I'm preaching the gospel or I'm telling them about the gospel, I say, the Holy Spirit is telling you right now, this is real. This is true. This is God speaking to you. Verse 21, through him, you believe in God. So through Jesus, you believe in God. Why? Because God raised Jesus from the dead and God gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. We are saved by our faith in Jesus Christ, the hope of salvation within our life, that Jesus died a perfect death on the cross for us, was buried in the tomb, was raised to life. And if you have that story and him as the Lord and centerpiece of your life, he will come back to take his own to heaven. Let's make sure that's true. I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are. <clears throat> the reason is, is I, I just want you to, to not be distracted. So, just so that you can focus for just a second. The gospel is the story of Jesus' death, Jesus' burial, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. God knew that you would fall short of his glory. God knew of your sin. Yet Jesus came to be a perfect substitution, a perfect atonement, a perfect uh, lamb for your sins. So Jesus came for that. And Jesus was crucified on the cross. He didn't deserve. You and I deserve the cross. You and I deserve punishment. But Jesus took on our punishment. And the Bible says that, that we see his, his, uh, that validity of that story through his resurrection. That he didn't stay dead like you and I when we die. That he came alive after the third day. And so Jesus came into the world so that he could save sinners. So that he could save you and I. So are you saved? Listen, the Bible, there will be people at the last judgment. And the thing that scares me most about River Valley is there will be people that will give a pretty good laundry list of things that they've done for God. And Jesus says, depart from me. I didn't know you, never knew you. There's only one way to know Jesus. That's the Lord of your life, that he is in complete and total control. He has forgiven your sins and set you free. So if you've never done that, or today you think you've done that, look and look back to the past. Did you understand Jesus' substitution? Did you accept it freely? Do you see evidences 
of that salvation, that you're being redeemed. You're, you're walking away from an empty way of life, and you're walking into a full, rich life in Jesus Christ. That you care about those who don't know Jesus that you love the people of God. I mean, you really learn to do life. You love, there's some people you deeply love. That you see that you open up the word of God and it's, it's his letter to you of encouragement when you need it, of admonishment when you need it. He, he, he speaks to you through the word of God. Those are some of the evidences of the salvation that God wants to bring to you today. So if you've never had that, or if you're like, I, I really, I, I don't think I have. Uh, because I don't see any of those evidences in my life. Then you can pray. I can't lead you in a prayer that does it for you. I can guide you, but it's your life that has the meaning. If you pray it like some mantra and go on with your life, you've wasted your time. But if you truly want salvation, if you're truly wanting to call to the God of the universe, he's listening, he's here. He wants to help you to receive him. So you can pray, dear Jesus, my life without you, God, I see that it's empty. It's an empty way of life. Jesus, I pray that you would redeem that, that you would set me free from that. Jesus, I pray that you would forgive my sins. Jesus, please, I pray that you would set me free. Jesus, I want to live for you as Lord. Jesus, I believe that you were resurrected from the dead. God raised you up on the third day. And today I accept and I ask for humbly, Jesus, your saving grace in my life. It is in your story, the gospel story, that I put my faith and my hope. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys stand to your feet. Uh, it is right and good to worship Jesus when we have heard how much he did for you. He willingly sacrificed his life for you. So today we praise at the end of the service for what he's done for you. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.